Welcome to This Story Matters. Each episode, we visit with people just like you who have walked through events that have grown their faith, transformed their families, drawn them closer to Christ, and refreshed their outlook on life. We believe sharing a testimony can build up others, and that is why this story matters. This episode is presented by Beatles Property Maintenance, Certified Mold Remediation Specialist in Springfield, Missouri. Online at BeatlesPM.com. Hello, I'm Stephanie Jenkins, your host for This Story Matters. The story we have for you today is one of great loss, loss after loss after loss. But it's also a story of God's promises fulfilled. I'm anxious for Sherry to share her story with you, her family's story, the one that God's given her. I mean, really, as always, it's his story. Before we go any further, one of the things we like to do around here is always start with prayer. So if you would join us, dear Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we are just in awe of your plan that is bigger than anything we could dream or imagine. And our simple human minds so often do not understand it. But Lord, we trust you. We believe that you have good things for us. The unbelief that we have, Lord, help our unbelief. Lord, we want more than anything for this story and every story we share to glorify you. We want you to get all the glory. So Lord, move us out of your way and use the words that you give us today. We invite your Holy Spirit here and in this episode. In Jesus' name, amen. My guest today is Sherry Claire. Sherry, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for inviting me. Sherry, tell me a little bit about growing up. As a little girl, what did you dream of doing whenever you were a grown woman? Um, I wanted to be a nurse, um, and I wanted to get married, and I wanted to have kids. Um, and originally I thought that I wanted to have like a whole bunch. <laughs> then I got married, and I was like, Maybe not so many. <laughs> so you are a nurse. Yes, so I am. So you check that. Yep, check. Um, you were married. Yep, I got married in 2005, so check. And you're a mom. I am. I now am. that sounds like, well, she, all of her dreams came true. It's a happy story. Um, but there is a road that you have traveled, and that road you have traveled is something that we are going to unpack today. So thank you for being vulnerable. Um, thank you for being willing to share this story. Nursing school happened after you got married? Mm-hmm. Nursing school happened about two years after I got married. And I graduated in 2009 from nursing school um, and started my um, career as a labor and delivery nurse. And I was a labor and delivery nurse for about six years. Um, and then I went kind of behind the scenes and did some telephone triage for about six years. And at some point, you guys to start decided to start a family mm-hmm. and Abigail came along. She did. Um, she came in 2010 um, and she was just about as cute as can be this little red headed nugget. Um, and after we had her, we were like, hmm, okay, we're good. You know, we, we thought maybe we wanted more kids, but she was, she was kind of a, uh, a stubborn little nugget and she never slept. 
So after that, we were kind of like, yeah, I, th- I think we're okay with just one, but you know, maybe we'll revisit that discussion down the road. You did revisit that discussion. We did. We did. And our son Gabriel was born in 2012. Now, this young man has stolen my heart. <laughs> He's stolen a lot of people's hearts. You have a blog called Hand Me Downs. Hand Me Downs. Gabe has trisomy 21 or Down syndrome. At what point in your pregnancy did you know that Gabe was going to require some special care? Um, yeah. I mean, gosh, Gabe's story in itself is is a miracle. Um, we had gone in um, between 11 and 12 weeks for that ultrasound where they measure the back of baby's neck. Um, and, you know, as a labor and delivery nurse, like I, you know, knew that those kind of things, you know, were – possible, but I was naive and, you know, didn't expect there to be any kind of an issue. Um, and I remember just being super nervous when we were walking in, which wasn't very typical. Um, and when we went in the ultrasound tech, um, you know, spent quite a while. Um, my in-laws were actually there for a little bit and it was taking so long that they went ahead and left. Um, and then she came back in and she said, okay, so the doctor's going to come in and talk with you. Um, and at that point I knew that there was something not great. Um, and he came in and he said, you know, we're not really a hundred percent sure what's wrong. Um, you know, something isn't quite right. Um, you know, you have about a three out of four chance of this pregnancy, um, you know, miscarrying. Um, we want you to come back in three weeks. And if you're still pregnant at that time, you know, we'll investigate further. That's super encouraging. If you're still pregnant in three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, I was gutted. I was absolutely gutted. Um, my husband, he, he was just, he just had this like surge of faith, um, which was incredible because it was kind of enough to keep us both afloat. Um, and he started fasting and just, you know, speaking scriptures over this pregnancy and over his baby. Um, and we went back in three weeks and everything looked perfect. Um, you know, there wasn't anything that, you know, even looked abnormal at that point, um, or different. Um, but we went ahead and we moved forward with the amniocentesis because some of our lab work came back a little bit, a little bit abnormal. Um, you know, there were some higher risks for, um, things that were, uh, lethal conditions. And we really wanted to know, do we plan a baby shower or are we going to be planning for a funeral? Um, And so we did the amniocentesis and I was probably around 17 or 18 weeks pregnant when that came back positive. Um, And we found out that Gabriel was going to be born with Down syndrome. And what was your reaction to that? (laughs) Okay. So mom guilt here. I did not respond well. Um, I didn't. I, I was not okay. Um, I really was not okay. Um, my husband, true to form, you know how fellows are sometimes they're like, well, can I change it? Nope. Okay. (laughs) And, um, you know, so he, he was, he was much more comfortable with it, um, with the diagnosis, um, than I was. I really struggled with it from a nurse perspective. Um, you know, I was concerned that I wouldn't bond with him as a child, but I would see him more as a patient. Um, and then also every time that we would go in for an appointment, you know, we would hear, well, this looks good, but here's the concern and here's the risk and, you know, here's what could happen. And they threw words around like, um, you know, stillbirth and, um, heart defect and, you know, all of these things. So it was just very overwhelming emotionally. Um, 
and I kind of had like a come to Jesus meeting almost. Um, I was maybe around 24 weeks pregnant and I was in the shower and, you know, I was just not still super comfortable with the diagnosis. Um, and I was just kind of crying and, you know, telling God, like, this isn't what I wanted. This isn't, you know, what I asked for. Like, you know, this wasn't what I, this wasn't what I was praying for. And I just felt in my spirit, God say, okay, well, I'll take him. And I was terrified. My heart just sank when you said that. Oh, I was terrified. I was like, no, no, like he's my baby. Like you, he's, he is mine and I want him and everything about him. Like it doesn't matter. Like you just, you just get him here to me. Um, and the moment that I actually held him and looked at him and realized that those nine months of worry and those things that I was afraid of, like none of them were true. I mean, he was just this perfect little nugget. He still is. He is. <laughs> he is. He is a, an absolute joy. So now you have your your matching set. You have a mm-hmm. girl and a boy. And that's pretty much you guys are content. Yeah. Claire party of four. Yes. For about a year. <laughs> And then I told my husband, I said, you know, I really feel like there's another baby for our family. And he was like, Mm-mm. <laughs> no, there's not. <laughs> He'd used all of his faith up on the first two. Yes. And he was done. Yeah. He was like, there's, we're done. There's no more babies for our family. Um, and so I told him, well, I'll just pray about that. And um, I did. I started praying and, um, you know, asked that God would, um, you know, change one of our hearts, you know, take that desire from me or give Josh that desire. And what happened? Uh, well, in 2016, Josh was like, hey, <laughs> I think we should have another baby. Um, you know, I really feel like there is another child for our family. And I was like, terrific. I just got rid of everything. <laughs> Isn't that the way it goes? Yes. Yeah, for sure. So you decide we want another child mm-hmm. in this family. We want the fifth Claire. And you started trying to get pregnant. Did that happen right away or did it take a while? Um, No, actually we did. We got pregnant very quickly. um, And just as quickly we lost that first pregnancy. Mm. How far along were you? I was probably between about six and seven weeks. Um, So just long enough for the realization and the excitement to kind of sink in. Anytime there's a miscarriage, just like anytime there's a loss of any type, people deal with that differently Mm -hmm. um, because we've all walked a different path. How did you guys deal with that? Was that your first miscarriage period? Yeah, Yeah, it was. Um, So I actually hadn't even had a chance to tell Josh Um, I was kind of waiting for, um, you know, just this really special way to tell him. And, um, then I started having some signs that, um, I was losing the pregnancy and, um, then my tests were no longer positive after that. And, um, it was very obvious that I had lost the pregnancy. So at first you were carrying all of that by yourself. Mm -hmm. And, um, as a mom to two kids. And a wife. That's a lot, Sherry. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah. As a nurse, though, like my nurse brain kind of took center and was like, well, you know, one in four pregnancies, like, 
you know, you've had your two, now you've had this one, the next one will be just fine. Um, you know, um, it happens to everybody, you know, just kind of, you know, pull yourself up by the bootstraps and keep going. Um, and you know, I did share with Josh, you know, but that's a difficult conversation. Like, Hey, I was pregnant and now I'm not like, that's, that's a difficult conversation to have. Was he, what was he feeling from your perspective? Obviously he's not here to speak for himself, but I mean, that's, why didn't you tell me? Was Um, there any of that? I think that there were, I mean, there were questions, you know, he was, you know, kind of like, well, you know, what does this mean? And are you okay? Um, But, you know, it wasn't so much of like a real thing for him, I think, as it was for me, because, you know, I told him after, after the fact. So you process this, you grieve this loss, and... Do you, you had already said earlier, one in four, like I've had to, yeah. this is the one. So the next one will be fine from here on out. Yeah. So you guys get pregnant again. Uh-huh. Yeah, we got pregnant again. Um, and my couple weeks before my 30th birthday, um, I had had a little bit of spotting but like wasn't too concerned cause it was just very minimal. Um, and then two days before my 30th birthday, um, it got heavier and I went in and I had an ultrasound and everything looked fine. And how far along are you at this point? I was about eight and a half weeks. And Josh knew this time? Yes. Okay. Yeah, he did. <laughs> did the kids know? No. Okay. They did not know. Um, they did not know. Um, and we had actually, I had told Josh, um, in a photo shoot, um, you know, we had, um, we had been calling the baby pancake, um, whenever, like whenever we were trying to get pregnant. Um, and I, um, gave him a jug of Bisquick, um, at the photo shoot and told him that pancake was due, um, you know, in January. And, um, so, you know, he was definitely really excited, um, and he knew, um, but when we went in for that ultrasound, I mean, everything looked fine. The ultrasound was great. Um, baby had a heartbeat and, um, you know, we could see the baby in there and, um, my lab work came back and my pregnancy hormone was like really, really low. And I told him, I'm like, well, that's not normal. And, um, the urgent care doctor was like, oh, well, you know, once we see a heartbeat, we don't worry so much about that. And I'm like, but it's really low. Um, and so I reached out to my OBGYN and they said, you know, come in, we'll do some more blood work and we'll do another ultrasound. Um, and when I went back in for the blood work, my levels were continuing to drop. And so they called me on June 15th, my birthday. And they said, you know, I'm really sorry, but you know, you're miscarrying and, But yes, it was a very rough birthday. Um, And then we we ended up in the emergency room over the weekend, over Father's Day weekend, um, and lost Pancake. So we're now two miscarriages in. Mm -hmm. What what are you guys thinking at this point? Like, God, did we, Mm. are we off on this? Yeah. Did we hear you? Is this... Is this not what you want? Were you thinking things like that at all? Yeah. Um, you know, after the second miscarriage, between when I found out that we were going to be losing the baby um, and, you know, when we lost the baby, um, I was sitting in my car and, you know, praying. And I was like, God, you know, 
I don't understand any of this. I do not know why, you know, we would get pregnant twice and lose two babies. But if it has to happen, please just let it mean something. Like, let it be for a reason. Have a purpose. Yeah. Yeah. You know, let this life have a purpose. Um, And so after we had that miscarriage, we went and just had a bunch of testing done. Um, And no one could give us an explanation. Um, You know, they're like, we don't really know, you know, what's going on. We we don't understand, you know, what has happened. Um, And we don't have, uh, you know, an answer. We don't have something that we can give you to fix it. So what did you, after the testing and you don't have any answers, you know, what are you saying to God at this point? Um, we were still just really praying for direction. Um, you know, what, what is it that you want us to do? Because we were still confident that God had a child for our family. Like we knew that, um, and, you know, still hurt and broken, um, but not near as broken as what we would be. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, at that point, we were still just like, okay, you know, sad things happen. We've gone through sad things before, um, you know, but we're believing in God. You know, we are trusting that he's going to work this out. So with that last miscarriage, you were in the emergency, the hospital. Mm -hmm. How old are your kids at this point and what do they know? They know nothing. Yeah, they know absolutely nothing. Um, they just know that they're hanging out with um, their grandparents. Yeah. Um, they were mm, probably five and seven, um, if I remember right. Yeah, Maybe so five not and seven. super old enough to really understand this part of it. So, yeah. 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 So what's next for your family after all this testing? Yeah. So no more pregnancies for the rest of the year. I don't get pregnant again, Um, you know, and that's kind of a relief. um, But it's also um, frustrating, you know, because this is really what we want. This is, you know, what we're what we're trusting God for. Um, And 2017, um, I um, took another pregnancy test, um, I think, in January, maybe. um, And it was positive. And so super excited, call Josh immediately. You know, at this point, I'm not doing a photo shoot. I'm just calling. I'm pregnant. You know, we're, we're having a baby. Um, super excited. Um, I go in to the doctor and, you know, they confirm the pregnancy. They schedule me for an ultrasound and they're like, you know, it's still really early. So don't panic if you don't see anything. Um, and, you know, we could just see a sack, but still really early. So, you know, they weren't super concerned. Um and I went back in for another blood draw, and it hadn't risen exactly like they thought it should. So they wanted me to come back one more time. I went back one more time, and my levels were dropping again. Mm-hmm. And so we barely made it to six weeks with that pregnancy. And um, that was tough um, because, you know, we – we're in number three now, and yeah. um, there was just enough time to get excited and hopeful and then to be broken. Um, and I don't think that we even told our families mm. about that pregnancy, um, you know, until after the fact. Yeah. Um, you know, here's what's going on and didn't work out and we're sad and 
you know, maybe it'll work next time. You haven't given up hope in all of this. Lots of questions, yeah. lots of questions, um, lots of nervousness, um, a little bit of trepidation, you know, like, okay, God, like. Uh. <laughs> the people that were closest to you that knew all of the heartache that you'd been experiencing, what, what was their advice to you? Mm. Did they encourage you to hang on to the promise that you felt God had given you? Or was there anyone that's like, guys, you yeah. know, kind of like Job's friends that are like, <laughs> listen, here's the problem. And you're like, yeah, that's not what how this works. Yeah. So my really good friend, she has a great head on her shoulders. Um, and, you know, she's like, honey, I don't know how much more of this you can take. I just don't know how much more of this you can take. Um, you know, she's like, I know that you are strong. She's like, but I don't know how much more your body can take. Um, and I don't know how much longer you can you can keep doing this. That had to be hard to hear, even though she was saying that out of love for you. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it it's hard to hear. Um, but it also echoed a lot of the things, you know, that I was thinking. Um, you know, going through miscarriage is physically tough. Um, I mean, it is, it's painful and, um, it's emotional and, um, you know, it's hormonal and it's physically difficult. Um, and I had gone through three in a year's time. Wow. But still holding on to what God has given you. Yeah. So what happened in the next chapter of this book? Um, so at the end of June, um, I went in for emergency surgery, um, for an ectopic pregnancy. Um, so we had gotten pregnant again, um, actually kind of unexpectedly, which I know sounds crazy. Um, but we, we were, being careful during that time that I was recovering and, um, we ended up pregnant again. Um, and it was ectopic. So the, the pregnancy was not where it was supposed to be. Um, and so I went in for surgery for that and, um, I was very angry. Um, I was just hurt. Um, I mean, broken. Was there a point here where you had a moment of boldness? <laughs> so. Kind of one of those things where you open your mouth and the Holy Spirit speaks for you and you're like, what just happened? Um, I mean, I, I, so I had a lot of, just a lot of frustration and a lot of anger. Um, and. I, you know, the Lord knows what's in your mind. He knows your thoughts, um, whether you verbalize those thoughts or not. Um, and I remember being in my bedroom floor and I was just curled into a ball and I was sobbing and sobbing. And, you know, I was like, God, this stinks. This is awful. And this is not fun. And this is not fair. And I don't understand why you're doing this to me. And I don't want to ride on this ride anymore. And we are taking a break for a week, not talking to you for a week. And at the same time, you know, 
I just have this sense in my heart that, you know, God's like, that's okay, but I'm still here. I'm still here with you. You don't have to talk to me, but I'm still here with you. And, you know, I took that time to just kind of regroup um, and grumble at him during that week that I wasn't talking to him. (laughs) But the thing is, is, you know, if we don't express those things, if we don't actually work through those things, we can't work through those things with him. They just fester and they just grow. And so verbalizing those things and sharing with God how I felt gave me an opportunity to work through those things. Um, And he's got some big shoulders. He can take it, you know. Like you said earlier, he already knows what's there. Mm -hmm. He wants us, I think, just to be honest with him so many times. Yeah. So what's next in your journey? I mean, you you have a week where you and God aren't talking. Um, (laughs) Kind of taking... I need some space. It's not you. It's me. Yeah. Type of situation. <laughs> yes. Um, and you and Josh, I'm sure, talked about what's next. What does this look like for us? So we had a lot of, we had a bunch more testing. We went and saw specialists. Um, we saw several specialists during that time. Um, and they... Um, couldn't give us a reason. You know, we were like, you know, God, just show us what we need to do. Um, You know, help us to make a decision here. You know, are we going down the right path? Did we mishear you? Um, We still felt and knew that there was a baby for our family, but now we were just a little unsure as what path that was taking us down. Um, And the specialists really had no good recommendations. Um, I remember one of them telling us that the best thing that he could tell us um, was to um, think good thoughts and know when to quit. And um, that was hard to hear. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I don't know that think good thoughts and know when to quit necessarily lines up with scripture. (laughs) Um, But that's not necessarily why we go see a doctor either. That's true. Is for them to quote scripture to us. Sometimes we get that and that's great. Um, So you guys keep on trying to have a baby and you find yourselves pregnant again. Yeah, we um, found out that we were pregnant um, at the end of our church fast in 2018. Um, And we had gone into that fast just really praying for God's direction. Um, You know, do we put ourselves out there and risk um, being devastated again? um, Or do we pursue adoption, which was um, a direction that we, you know, felt like God was pulling us. Um, And so the last day of the fast, we had a positive pregnancy test and we were like, okay, that's clearly God's answer. So I'm sure there were a lot of frightened, scared emotions, even though you feel like this is God's answer. There has to be those voices in the back of your head that are speaking doubt into you. How did you deal with that? Um, I prayed a lot. Um, and I actually wrote out like page after page of scripture, um, you know, just positive scripture and, um, scripture that spoke against fear and things to just really encourage me. Um, and I, you know, just wrote them on several pages of paper and I would carry them with me. And when I would start to doubt or start to be worried, um, you know, I would just pull them out and just read through them. Um, and I had a prayer that I was speaking over baby daily. Um, and, you know, just really, um, just trying my best to trust God with that fragile faith that I had. 
So you get through the first trimester mm-hmm. of this pregnancy. Yep. That's further than you've been. Yeah. In the previous three pregnancy, four pregnancies. Mm-hmm. Um, was there relief there? Yeah, there was. Um, and I mean, as a nurse, I still knew like that there's really no like safe time, right. you know, um, but definitely safer. Um and it was the furthest that we had gotten. And, um, you know, we were just so confident that, like, this is it. This is our answer to our prayer. Um, you know, everything is is going to be just fine. So you get to that point. Are you telling more people? Do the kids know? Yeah. Yeah, the kids knew about that pregnancy. Um, we had told them um, right about 11 weeks. Um, and we had told our families. Um, we actually surprised our families um, on uh, Easter um, with the news that we were pregnant. And um, so, you know, they, everybody knew at that point. Um, we had announced on social media. Um, so, you know, it was very public. And everything was going really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, things were great. I mean, everything looked wonderful. The baby was growing well. We had seen the baby multiple times on ultrasound. Um, and we um, actually even like testified in front of our church um, on April 22nd. We stood up and we told everybody, um, you know, about our answer to prayer and, you know, how um, everything was going. And, um, you know, we were so excited. Our whole church body was excited for us because, you know, they'd walked through the losses with us. They yes. knew. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's called a church family for mm-hmm. a reason. They know what's happening with you. They've walked through this. They've seen your family suffer, for lack of a better word, and still have hope in this. Yeah. Um, I know I've heard you tell about the kids asking to listen to the heartbeat. Yeah. So they they loved to listen to the baby's heartbeat. Um, and I had a Doppler at home just to kind of give me some peace of mind and um, – so that Sunday, you know, we stood up and we shared. And that Friday morning, um, the kids came running into the bedroom and they hopped up on the bed and they wanted to listen to baby brother, baby sister. Because um, at that point, we still didn't know what we were having. And um, we turned the Doppler on and we got to sit there and just listen to him um, and just his little heartbeat and um, some of those bigger thumps and thuds that you hear as babies moving around in there. And um, I got ready and I went to work and... Um, I came home from work that night, and I just really wanted to listen to him one more time before I went to bed. That had to be such a soothing sound for you every time you heard it. Yeah, it was uh, reassuring. It was very reassuring. Um, And to know that, you know, we were so far, so much further than any of the other pregnancies, like hearing that heartbeat was just, it was great. Um, And when I turned the Doppler on that night, there was nothing. There was no heartbeat. I couldn't, I couldn't find anything. And I laid there on the couch and I tried for probably 30, 45 minutes. And there's you're a labor nothing. and delivery nurse. So you know what you're doing with a Doppler. Yeah. Unlike someone like me who wouldn't know which end is up. Yeah. You know exactly what you're doing and you know, this is not good. Yeah. Did you sleep? When I woke my husband up and I told him that um, I couldn't find the heartbeat and, um, you know, he said, well, you know, baby's just still really little, Um, you know, maybe you're missing it. Um, And, you know, my nurse brain is like, 
No. <laughs> we have the saying in my marriage, do you want sympathy or solution? Because oh, like men that. often offer the solution yes. when what we really want is sympathy. Yeah. And that, you know, well, this is why is the solution. So I lay down in bed and those pages of scripture that I had written, I just laid there in the bed and I held them on my abdomen all night. And I would wake up and I would just pray, God, please don't take this one from us. Don't let this happen again. We've made it so far. And I would just cling to those scriptures and I just held on to them. And I would try the Doppler again, you know, thinking, well, maybe Josh is right. Maybe I'm just missing him. And it was just silence. There was, there was nothing in there. No heartbeat, no sounds, no thuds of the baby moving anymore. And I went to labor and delivery that next morning. And I um, I told him, I said, can I just borrow the ultrasound real quick? <laughs> it didn't work As there. One does. <laughs> it didn't work there at that point. But, um, you know, they knew me and they, um, I told them what was going on. And, you know, they're like, oh, you know, I'm sure it's just, um, you know, that you're just not, not finding him, you know. And um, they took me back to a room and they, um, put the ultrasound wand on there and the nurse just stood and she looked at the screen and we just watched as he just laid there. Not Josh with you? No. Ooh. <laughs> no, because um, we have two children. And yeah. <laughs> I needed somebody to stay with the kids yeah. and um, we were actually supposed to be having a big women's conference at our church that morning that my mother-in-law was hosting and um, I was supposed to go and help set up and um, she, you know, knew that I wasn't there and I told her that I had just been having a little bit of cramping and um, wanted to go get checked out before I came in. Um, but I would be there, you know, as soon as, as everything was done um, because I didn't, I didn't want anything to go wrong with the women's conference. You know, right. I wanted, of course not. I, you know, like, it was meant for something that conference was meant for something and, and women were there to be touched and I didn't want anything to happen with that. Um, and so I'm in that room all by myself. Um, and I looked at her and I said, he's gone, isn't he? And she said, yeah. And I said, can you, can you just go get the doctor? Um, because I knew that the doctor had to confirm it. And she started to move the ultrasound machine out of the way. And I said, can, can you just leave it? I can just look at him a little bit longer. And so we just laid there. And I just looked at how sweet his profile was and just how still he was. And the doctor came in and, you know, pointed out on his chest where his heartbeat should have been. Um and confirmed it. And then you have to have an official ultrasound after that. So, you know, you have to wait for them to come up and do the official ultrasound. And during that time, um, I called Josh and I said, um, I need you to go someplace quiet. Um, because the baby doesn't have a heartbeat anymore and, and the baby is gone. And he was, uh, he was he was devastated. Um, 
you know, he's like, are you sure? You know, that, that can't be the case. And, um, you know, I told him that I needed him to come up to the hospital. Um, and he didn't understand that, um, we were then going to have to go through labor. He thought that it was going to be, you know, where I just go have surgery again. Mm -hmm. Um, and I remember asking the nurse, I said, when he gets here, um, I, I need you to tell him, um, because I can't, I can't walk, you know, I can't walk him through what's going to happen. Like I just, I can't do it. And I told the doctor, I said, whatever you do, just please don't send me home. You know, please let me stay. Um, and, um, you know, deliver the baby. Cause I, sometimes, you know, if there's not room or, um, you know, for whatever situation, you know, sometimes a woman has to go home until there, there is a space for them. And I, I just couldn't do that. So we went over to labor and delivery and, um, slowly told family, um, we told my father-in-law and he went up, um, to take the lunches up to the women's conference and pulled my mother-in-law aside and told her. And, um, you know, our pastor came up and, um, Sam was born that night, um, at 16 weeks. Um, and he was just a little bit bigger than the palm of our hand. Um, but we got to hold him. We got to love him. And, my daughter, you know, this was 2018, so she was um, nine, nine, I think, um, and she wanted to come and see her baby brother, and so um, she came in, and she got to hold him and say goodbye, um, and um, we... Um, we did have a service for, for Samuel and, um, he's got a little grave, um, you know, just about a mile down the road from our house and we're able to stop by and see Sam anytime we want. And we go and celebrate his birthday with him and, um, uh, his, um, due date. So we, you know, we usually go up there a couple of times and we've gone up and had pizza picnics where we, you know, sit at his little spot and enjoy our pizza. And we talk about, you know, what he'd be doing, you know, at this age and what kind of pizza we think he'd like and, you know, all of those kind of things just to, just to keep him included in our family. So all of that after five losses, of life. How could you not be bitter, Sherry? Um, Because I'm almost bitter yeah. at this point, just walking through this with you right now. You know, my faith wasn't the same um, as what it was. Um, I mean, when we buried Sam, I really felt like I was burying my hope with him. Um, and I, I told God, like, I just don't have anything left to give this journey. Like, that's it. You know, I don't, I don't have anything left in me. Like, I can't do this again. Um, you know, I want to trust you, but this hurts and there is not enough of me left, um, you know, to get through this. Um, 
you know, I um, still believed in God and I still believed that he was good because that's what the Bible said. Um, But I struggled to see him as kind and good and gracious. Um, I saw him as someone to be trusted, but then, you know, also with a little bit of like cautiousness. Um, and so, um, you know, I, I struggled to read my Bible. Um, and I told him, you know, this is difficult for me to read my Bible, um, because I see all of these promises here that I don't feel like, you know, you are, um, bringing into my life. Um, and I just don't need that kind of negativity. (laughs) Um, I don't think anyone blames you for that. (laughs) I don't like, yeah, let's be honest. We all probably would have gotten there a lot sooner than what you did. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, my, the thing that I kept coming back to is I have two choices. Um, I can continue to serve the Lord and, um, do the things that I know that I'm supposed to do as a Christian and live that walk, um, and try to be an example. Um, or I can just completely walk away and what that would look like for my family and what that would look like for me. I didn't want that. Um, and even though, even though we were broken, I mean like broken, like even though, I mean, I was just pieces of myself, um, I still knew that the decision to walk away was not for me. Um, you know, I was still going to serve the Lord. Um, and I kept holding on to that scripture in Second Corinthians um, that talks about we go through our suffering um, and he comforts us in that suffering so that then we can comfort those who go through the suffering with the same love that he gave for us, the same comfort that he gave to us. And I just kept holding on to that as a way to keep going, you know, for their lives to mean something for our journey to still be worth it. You mentioned earlier that you guys had considered going the adoption route to add a baby to your family. Yeah. And that's where you headed next. Yeah, we did. We um, we jumped into the um, adoption um, world um, and met some incredible people um, through that journey. Um, we got our home study done, and um, you know, we um, shared with everybody that we were um, going to adopt because we really, um, you know, we were feeling pulled that direction. Um, you know, we, we were, we just still knew that there was a baby for our family, um, and knowing what we had gone through, um, and so many doors had opened for us to move down the path of adoption. Um, and so we went, we went after it, um, and we heard a whole lot of no's. (laughs) And those were no's from not being chose by the birth mom as the adoptive family. Yes. Yeah. So, um, you know, there were so there were way too many to even count, um, you know, how many times that um, our profile was looked at um, by an expectant family um, and you know that expectant family um, chose a different family um, or um, 
chose to parent, which, you know, is amazing yeah. for them. Yeah. You know, like that is fantastic. Um, and one of the things that we would do whenever we would um, say yes to sharing our profile um, is that we would pray for that expectant family to have confidence in their decision um, and to do what was best for them. Um, you know, to make the decision that was right for them. And sometimes that was parenting and sometimes that was choosing another family. Um, what did God show you during this time when you're hearing no, no, no? <laughs> you know, um, he showed us a lot of ways that um, he had protected us through different situations. Um, you know, he was so patient and so gracious with me. Um, and I had put up a lot of walls. Um, you know, like I was still trusting God and I would still follow him, but I would also know where all the exits were, you know, in case it got a little hairy again. Um, but during that time, you know, he started to just chip away at those walls. Um, and, you know, really brought a lot of awesome people, um, into our lives, um, that we were able to, um, you know, just start to heal. Um, and even with those no's, like little by little, my hope started to come back. Like, well, this one's no, but maybe we're going to get our yes. And maybe we're going to get our yes. And I'm sure we're going to get our yes. Somewhere along the way, your church had a special service that they call Miracle Sunday. Mm -hmm. And that was a bit of a turning point. <laughs> yeah. So... October of um, 2021, um, we had a Miracle Sunday, um, and it's kind of like um, uh, like the Holy Spirit car wash. <laughs> the um, a whole line of um, people um, to pray, like prayer partners and prayer warriors, just line the front of the altar across from each other. Um, and those who want to receive prayer line up and we just go down this row of people. Um, and so there are people on both sides praying for you as you go down through. Um, and it's all the way across the front of the church. So you and know, this isn't a bunch necessarily of you saying what I want you to pray about for my family is. Yeah. They're just praying for you as God leads them as you walk through this tunnel, so to speak. Yeah, they are. You know, I went down thinking that... Um, you know, like my prayer was, my thought <laughs> was, um, you know, that this would be that miraculous boost that we need for adoption. Um, but my prayer was, um, you know, God, what you will, um, you know, what you want for our life, um, just as long as it doesn't hurt again. <laughs> um, and so we got to our pastor and our pastor instantly started praying that God would heal my womb and um, he would touch my body and that he would heal my body and open my womb and that I would be able to carry another child. And Josh is right behind me in the line and I turn to him and I am just sobbing, just absolutely sobbing and I'm shaking and I'm like, did you say something to pastor? And he was like, nope. And, um, 
you know, we kept going down through the line and I made a mental note um, to go back and tell pastor that that was a terrible idea. (laughs) Been there, done that. You were out of five stars. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I, I was not necessarily like, you know, on board with that prayer. Um, And so we kind of, you know, kept going down through there and, um, you know, we got prayers for peace and prayers for encouragement and, you know, prayers for the adoption. And we got down to the end of the line and, um, one of the ladies, Deanna, she was standing down there and she just held my hands in her hands. And she prayed that God would give us the deepest desire of our heart, that hidden desire that we're too afraid to even speak of. Um, And that we're too afraid to even ask for for ourselves that he would give us that desire. And I think what Deanna didn't know and probably like what we didn't even necessarily know is that deep down inside, like we really wanted to have another baby. Um, You know, we really did. I mean, it's 2016 to 2021 and that desire is still there, you know, even covered in fear and nervousness and anxiousness, like that desire is still there, but it's not something that we really thought could happen. Well, you just explained how you had pulled yourself. You still believed in God. You were still a woman of faith, but you would put distance between you and God. And then you started chipping down those walls, breaking them apart. And you're growing closer and closer and closer to him over Mm -hmm. this time. Mm -hmm. And what I see when you tell the story is scripture walking out because the word tells us if we delight ourselves in him, he will give us the desires of our heart. So you're starting to delight yourself in him again. Mm -hmm. And then you have this woman of God that's a pillar of faith, pray over you without knowing that God would give you the deepest desires of your heart. Yeah. So November 26th um, was my husband's birthday, and we'd had some friends over. We hung out by the fire pit and drank hot cocoa and had a really great time. And um, before we went to bed that night, um, I took a a test. I took a pregnancy test. And... um, it came up with the word pregnant on it and we were <laughs> we were amazed and excited um and terrified at the same time um kind of in disbelief um you know that this, this is november had, of 2021 uh-huh yeah. about a month and a half after um our our miracle sunday um And, uh, we just, we laughed and we cried and we hugged each other. Um, and just processed, you know, here we go again. You know, how, how is this going to turn out? Um, but even still, there was a lot of faith in that room that everything would be okay with this pregnancy. So you get through the first trimester with this pregnancy. Mm-hmm. 
Um, that's a big deal. Yeah. And then it had to be difficult at that 16 weeks. It was very when difficult. When you lost Samuel. It was. Um, that was that was a very difficult week. Um, we actually didn't tell um, our family and friends um, until we were well past that day. Um, I had just a couple of people, just a few close family um, and a few close friends. Um, you know, I could probably count the number on one hand um, who knew. Um, and part of that was, you know, we had seen our family be devastated with the loss of Sam, and we felt like we wanted to protect them sure. and protect our kids' hearts, too. Um, and so there was a lot of um, quiet trusting of the Lord, um, you know, because it wasn't public knowledge. Um, but day by day, we got closer and closer and closer to those 16 weeks. And then day by day, we got further and further and further away from those 16 weeks. But this pregnancy wasn't without its hills and valleys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so my family likes to say that it was a very quick pregnancy for them because we didn't tell them until probably around 18 or 19 weeks pregnant. Um, and we actually got everybody together um, under the... Um, guys that they were coming for a surprise party for my husband. And um, then we opened the dividing doors between the two rooms and there's this big gender reveal set up there. And, you know, at first everyone's like thinking that it's for the adoption and that we've matched and we're like, but there's more. <laughs> I'm pregnant. And um, I'm sure you could hear my mom scream like outside the building. <laughs> So um, we had, we brought out a balloon and the grandparents got to pop it and, um, it, you know, found out that we were having a little boy um, and, um, you know, went forward from there. And around 24 weeks, my blood pressure started to creep up and it just kept going up and going up. And I um, was hospitalized and put on magnesium around 30 weeks pregnant. Um, and they at first said, um, welcome to your new home until 34 weeks. <laughs> this is where you're going to you stay. Have a lot of people, a lot of people in your life that do not even know that you're expecting. Yeah. But you're <clears throat> in the hospital. Yeah. So how do you not play all your cards, so to speak at this point? <laughs> um, well, we, we, we were having some fun with social media, um, which was kind of one of the ways that we were able to celebrate and um, keep the excitement going, um, but also enjoy the pregnancy ourselves. Um, and so we were posting um, little hidden Easter eggs, um, announcing the pregnancy um, in a lot of different posts while I was pregnant. Um, and so while I was in the hospital, um, I was just sharing a lot of like older posts, um, and older pictures. Um, and we did have, you know, at that point, um, people that we knew in our day to day lives, um, you know, knew about the baby, um, and our church family rallied around us and our family that knew and our friends that knew, um, you know, they all joined in, um, and helped with the kids and helped with the housework and set up a meal train for my husband, um, 
and, you know, really just, they were our village. Um, and, uh, the plan was for me to stay in the hospital until 34 weeks and deliver at 34 weeks. Um, and after about a week in the hospital, um, they came in and they said, okay, good news. We're okay. If you go home, if you come in three days a week, (laughs) that's no big deal. That's no big deal. Um, and you can't be alone and you can't drive. (laughs) So, um, that's what I did. I went home on bed rest and the goal was to get to 34 weeks and then, um, we were going to have a birthday party. Um, and we just kept praying. Um, we are, we were praying, our church was praying, our family was praying, people that I didn't even know was praying. Um, and let's talk about your having to depend, depend on your village to help with your kids because Josh is working full time. He has a pretty demanding job and your kids are very above average. (laughs) Um, Abby is competition gymnastics. Yes. So there's lots of practices, there are meets. There are all of those things. And then there are a lot of things that Gabe needs help with that mm-hmm. other kids his age have already mastered. So it's not like you're a, oh, they can take care of themselves type of thing. They could to some extent, but not as much as you probably would have liked for them to in this instance. Yeah, it was um, it was a challenging time. Um But my kids were so excited about their baby sibling. They were so excited about baby brother that they were willing to pretty much do anything that needed to be done to keep baby brother safe and to keep baby brother cooking. Um, You know, my my mom, she took me to all of my appointments. Um, We had my in-laws bringing meals and taking the kids out to do fun things um, because this was over the summer break too. So like... We had a bucket list of things that we wanted to do before the baby came. And now I can't do any of those things. Um, and, you know, that mom guilt is just racking me, you know, of um, not, you know, not being able to do all of those fun things and make their last summer, you know, worth it. Um, but our village, you know, our village really took it upon themselves to go over and above Um, and just be there for us. And I really thank God for that, for putting all of those people in our lives for, for like that specific time, you know, he built that support system up around us knowing that we would need them then. So what happens with this pregnancy? You're on bed rest and. Yeah. Um, I get bigger and bigger and bigger. (laughs) We got from. Um, 30 weeks to 34 weeks. And they said, um, you know, everything is still stable. Um, so day by day and day by day, we got to 35 weeks and 36 weeks and then 37 weeks. And at 37 weeks, they said, let's have a birthday party. And then they said, well, he's upside down. <laughs> of course he is. <laughs> so we started praying again. And um, we were supposed to go in um, the 22nd, the morning of the 22nd, um, because my daughter flat out refused um, to let us have him on her birthday, which totally understand. Um, She was like, there are 365 days in the year. He can pick 364 of the other ones. (laughs) 
Um, and so we went in on the 22nd and we had, you know, we sent out a message and we were like, y'all, we need you to pray. Um, this kid has got to flip because I don't really want a C-section. Um, and so we went in and, you know, we had everything set up, ready to go for the C-section if we needed to, um, because they were also going to try to turn baby around if he was still upside down. And, um, they put the ultrasound wand on there and everyone just cheers because he is head down. And that means that we can move forward with a birthday party and an induction and, you know, see, see our baby, um, and about two hours before he was born, my blood pressure got ridiculous high again. And so they had to put me back on the magnesium, um, which is not a fun medication. Um, so I had to go back on the magnesium. Um, but he made it here. He was born at um, 924 that night, 7 pounds, 10 ounces. It's like the perfect size. I know. He was actually my smallest, um, aside from Sam. Um, he was my smallest. And um, I remember because Abigail was eight and Gabriel was eight, six. And I remember looking at him and I'm like, you're so tiny. <laughs> so now that you're on the other side of this and you yeah. can look back at the journey, mm. what do you have for people that are a quarter of the way through the journey that you've walked or halfway through the journey you've walked that have maybe had more miscarriages than what you experienced. And they just are struggling listening to this going, well, that's great, Sherry. God gave you your promise, but he hasn't given me mine yet. What do you say to them? You know, I... I didn't really know um, what to share um, and how much to share um, about our journey. And, um, you know, I had asked my family and my friends, um, you know, about this journey, like what's something that really stood out to you? And I had so many people come to me and say, you know, well, your unwavering faith. And I thought, that's kind of ridiculous because I told God we were taking a break. Yeah. I told him frequently that I thought you he was a meanie. don't know the things I said to him. <laughs> yeah. Um, I told him I didn't want to read the Bible because it was, you know, too negative for me right now. Um, and, you know, I really got to looking at what that word actually means, um, you know, unwavering. Um, and unwavering, it doesn't mean something beautiful and pretty and fantastic and amazing it means continuing in a constant and steady way. And that constant and steady way, there can be a lot of obstacles in your path. I mean, there can be huge, huge mountains that you're staring up at from the valley. But if you just continue to put one foot in front of the other, even if you are covered in mud and you're falling down and you're having to belly crawl up it, that constant just continuing to move forward, that's unwavering faith. It can be messy. It can be dirty. It can be fearful and angry. But if you are moving forward, if you are continuing to trust God, that's all that he needs. That's all that he needs to do a work in you. And I don't know how long it'll take. I don't know. I didn't know how long our 
our journey was going to take. I mean, we were in that valley. We were, we were in that desperate place from 2016 to November 25th of 2021. An hour before we found out that we were pregnant, we were in that place. So, I mean, you don't know your miracle could happen in an hour. It could happen tomorrow. You know, you can, you can wake up and, and have that answer, but that's only going to happen if you keep going. If you just keep that unwavering, continuing, constant direction. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Story Matters. Check out the show notes below. We have some different links and some resources available to you related to the topic we covered in this episode. And then be sure to follow and download for more of This Story Matters. If you need prayer, we invite you to call or text our prayer line. It's available 24-7, 365, anytime you could possibly need it, 877-800-7729. We would love to hear the story God has written in your life. Email us with your story at thisstorymatters at thewind.radio.com.